So you guys know each other for a long time. Yeah. It's college. Yeah. College. College. Okay. So late 30s, well, what, 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 what am I working with here? I'm 30, I'm turning 39 in a 39, week. 39, okay. Or two. I was two 39 weeks. once. Yeah. yeah, it was great, great time, man. Wait, you're, you're not, you're not in your 30s? I'm past that. Oh, he's I'm like fucking I'm 60, 40, bro. 40, 40. <laughs> yo, that's, yo. Asian, Asian, like Asian, Asian genes. Yeah. <laughs> Asians don't raise him, you know? I, I he just started turned 42. Yeah, I, wow. <laughs> Damn, 1920s, 19. Yeah, you can't see. You don't see his wrinkles by my eyes. Man? Oh my gosh! Is that moisturizer? Oh, you gotta let me know what kind of moisturizer you use. Test one, two. All right. Yep. Gucci. Three, two. Welcome to Lucky Boys Podcast. I'm Will, and I'm Norm, and we have a very special guest today, Wilson Tang, restaurant guy of Numwa. Hello, hello. Boop, 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 boop. Thank right? you for having us in your well, your basement oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, office, the basement under the, the restaurant. Basement, yeah. I mean, this is typical, right? Uh, it is New York City. Yeah. Where you, uh, I mean, for those of you guys not in New York City, if you guys ever walk by New York City or or see it in the movies, they got all of these grates uh, on the sidewalks, and uh, usually they're right in front of the restaurant. And uh, and that's where they supply. Well, keep most of their supplies. Yeah, below. Uh, or, or office, or um, or dead bodies, yeah, or, or dead bodies, <laughs> or the secret sauce, secret sauce. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, like you said, New York, you gotta, you have to use every every single square foot of space that is available. So I'm I'm grateful to have an office like this. We actually, we actually have two offices, um, but the other one, like the the, the heater broke. So oh, um, this would be the next best option um for us today well great yeah because yeah. i i never did a podcast with uh, my jacket on and well, yeah, it's cold today <laughs> yeah, man. it's cold today yeah we got it i think we got into single digits for new york city yeah anyway wilson tang you are the owner of namwa known as the oldest standing dim sum restaurant in chinatown yes that is correct what else do we need to know about Namwa? Where did it start? Um, so Namwa, um, you know, established 1920. Um, I am part of the second family that's running it, third generation. Um, but it is officially the, the oldest restaurant in uh, Chinatown, Manhattan's Chinatown, the first dim sum restaurant in Chinatown. Um, and, um, you know, I've, I've been running it for the last... 10 years uh, prior to myself, uh, my uncle Wally ran it for over 50 years. And uh, in the 70s, uh, he bought the business uh, from another family, the Choi family, which still has roots in Chinatown, believe it or not. Oh, are they running another business there? Yes. One of of the uh, um, cousins... um, have uh they're they're a dentist in in uh in uh, chatham square which is just a stone's throw away from yeah, the restaurant yeah. yeah oh wow and now your restaurant is in a very interesting location uh i guess it's known for i mean in terms of pr i mean it's great it's known as murder alley yep yeah uh, i mean the several nickname was another one the uh, uh, bloody angle is another one yeah and we talked about this in a previous podcast it got its name because of all the gangs in the past and I guess when you were came when you came around to it, it it's it's wasn't the same. 
right. reference because obviously gangs have died down a lot. However, still very prevalent um, at that time, right? When you yeah. were coming in. Um, I, I mean, I, I think the gang stuff um, virtu- like pretty much stopped since Giuliani was the um, the mayor of New York. Um, what, what is this like tw- twenty years ago? I want to say like the, yeah. the the you know the last time I remember was probably like the nineties. Um, you know, growing up in Chinatown um, in the in the in the eighties and nineties, that was that was a rough period in Chinatown with all the um you know gang violence or just gangs in general uh and you know I remember listening to your podcast uh, a couple of guests before me um you know that's that's some of that right <laughs> right the gang stuff um but I, I think the last 20 years have been pretty normal uh, you know business as usual um you know last definitely the last 10 years nothing like that at all um, I, I know in my in my uncle's time, um, there was there was always um, you know payoffs, you know little like under the table money, like protection money of sorts, but definitely not um, in my tenure uh, at the restaurant as as the current gatekeeper of sorts. You know, um, it's it's been pretty smooth, um, and that gang stuff is more of uh you know like you say a a a, a pr thing and you know a lot of our customers are you know either visiting new york or in new york for the first time so that that's a that's like a like a story um and you know i remember many a times especially in the summer when i'm hanging out in front of the store just talking to the locals and uh, other merchants you'll see um, like a tour guide walk over, walk past and like talk about the murder alley. And I always like try to stick my ear in and make sure they're not like botching (laughs) the story or because they do. I've, I've also, yeah. Or or exaggerating some parts of it. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I, I find that very interesting. It's very New York, you know, and, and I think that, you know, I owe some of my success to that. You know, it's, it's, it's almost like free advertising, you know, because, um, we get all you know prior you know prior to COVID, um, we got all walks of life coming into the restaurant, and and you know it was very you know interesting to to hear these things, and and I I remember um, you know they, they sometimes they'll talk about me like oh this new kid that came in and took <laughs> over the restaurant his name is Wilson and I'm like yep that's me right over here <laughs> and like whoa whoa oh yeah, you that, would hear it like yeah, eavesdropping yeah because yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm always eavesdropping I'm making yeah. sure like the story is like. Legit, legit, yeah, you know. Yeah. So, um, I try to have fun with it, um, but you know, it's it's a great block. Um, it's you know, you know, for those who are not from New York, it's one of the first streets in Chinatown, which includes uh, Doyers, Pell, and Mott Street. So that's the center. That's where Chinatown in New York really started. Yeah, and um, you know, through all the decades, it's gone through many phases, you know, like when we talk about like early, early on, um, you know, on the corner of Pell and Doyers is this big uh, wall and people used to um, put on like notes from like things going back, uh, back at home in China, like all the news they would put on, on the, on the wall. And my uncle uh, kind of served as a, um, you know, like took mail for people, um, 
you know, was, was the, was really the hub of, um, a place to eat, you know, cause like there wasn't as many options right. back then. And now it's, um, it's really, um, you know, there's Chinatown has grown obviously, but, um, back in the days it was really those, that main quarter, like yeah. Doyer, Pell, Mott street was the beginning. It's iconic. Of yeah. You yeah. know, I, I see, um, not only in news channels, but in, uh, music videos from hip hop to rock, uh, movies, commercials, they're constantly using that area. And it's it looks great visually when you're trying to represent Chinatown, uh, especially from a, a uh, like a dangerous aspect. They, they, they do it one of two ways. I usually either see it as a throwback to, because it does have this dangerous old school Chinatown vibe, this alleyway, and you can't really see the bend of what's going, what's behind it. Yeah. Or they or they film it as uh, okay, this is classic Chinatown. We're going by one of the most iconic areas, and we're taking this shot. Yeah, I you know if if um, for those who again are not in China, have never been to Chinatown before, like if you walk um, down Pell Street and look and and make that turn onto Doyers, it's really really. Um, a nice it's almost looks like a like a movie set of sorts yeah yeah and um you know we haven't done many movies lately but we've definitely had our fair share of um movies like spider-man to um law and order um like all sorts of production uh on the block and um you're right at at night you know right now like a lot of music videos and um I've even seen on Facebook um, like car meetups. Like they would just kind of on that block. How it's so yeah. narrow. Yeah, like just like a, a car crew will will like drive over and like kind of park their car like in a in a way to like take pictures of it. It's kind oh, of it's kind of cool. So kinda they cool. have to get up on a sidewalk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I'm I'm all good with that because it's. It brings attention to my restaurant, and people, like, oh, hey, that's the that's the dim sum place uh, that's always in the news or whatever. Um, so it's 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 great. I mean, there is like like raunchy stuff too, you know, like like there's just like you know like people are doing their rap videos and like doing that kind of you know yeah. <laughs> production of sorts with with uh, with with um, cars and girls and, and things like that. I think a lot of uh, Asian Americans or Asians in general that uh, come from immigrant backgrounds can relate to your story where their family was either, I mean, I think they all know someone where either uh, they had a family member that either owned a restaurant or worked in one. Yeah, I, I mean, that's, that's your typical um, immigrant story. I, I mean, I, I look at my own parents, you know, immigrated from, from uh, my, my dad's from, uh, Guangzhou, s- southern China, and my, my mom's from Hong Kong. Um, coming to America as first-generation immigrants, you really, um, you know, without knowing the the the, the land, without, no, without without knowing New York, without knowing the language, you're really um, you don't have much options as far as work is concerned. Uh, so you're you're either working at a restaurant or a laundromat. Or, or a seamstress. Seamstress, yeah. So oh. that's exactly how my parents were. Like my dad was in the food business. Um, my my mom was a seamstress. Worked at like a eyeglass store for a little bit. Yeah. So that's your. I mean, 
those are stories that you'll hear time and time again uh, about that immigrant struggle or like the first time immigrant. Um, that's that's what they did. Right. You know, they 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 almost um, didn't have a choice. They're they're you know, this is a land of opportunity. Okay, we're here. All right, we have to make the best out of it and do these low-paying jobs and figure out what's next. Right. Now, having that upbringing, it's so easy for a lot of people, especially during our time, to not get into trouble. I mean, the opportunity to get into trouble was vast. Um, And, I mean, it was so easy to be bored back in the day. We didn't have all this stuff and and just fall into the wrong group uh, somehow. How did you avoid all of that, especially being like at the center of it all? Well, um, I, I think for me, what my parents did was really move me out of Chinatown um, at an early age. So uh, from grade school, like first grade, I was already in Queens um, in, in a, you know, it, it, it was Ridgewood was a neighborhood. Um, wasn't that great back then. Now it's gentrified. It's nice, yeah. Yeah, but um, it was, it was you know, back back then in the 80s, it was it was like, that was suburbia, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, leaving Chinatown, and like I had a yard, I had a white picket fence, you know, there, there was a garage. Um, that, that was kind of luxury already for, for, for my de- parents to move out of Chinatown like that. And... Um, you know, I went to Catholic school, uh, Catholic grade school, Catholic high school. So did I. Yeah. For both, yeah. And um, that was them, you know, doing their part to get myself out of the, 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 the Chinatown scene. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for that. Um, I, I think that has taught me um, just a lot as far as... Um, you know, taking care of myself, you know, I, I, back then you're allowed to like have your house key and you just go home after, after school, uh, unlike, unlike now. Um, so I, I, I remember, you know, making a lot of my own meals, like fifth, fourth, fifth grade, sixth grade, I'm, I'm home alone. Like, you know, a lot of time, um, in front of the TV and that's, that's mainly how I think all of us grew up. Um, if you're, you know, older than 30 years old. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I wouldn't trade that for the world. You know, I think that that's what gives us creativity, um, you know, patience um, and um, just work ethic. You know, like I, I sure. love working hard. And these are the things that I try to instill in my kid uh, sitting right next to you. Right? Yeah, what's up, Ryan? <laughs> How you doing, Ryan? You playing games? Okay. Wow, you finished it already. <laughs> nice. Um, so yeah, I, I bring him to work, you know, um, just so he can see what I'm doing. And, um, you know, I might get a lot of like crap for saying this, but I, I think that the generation between us and him, it's a little different. You know, it's it's they're very like that, like in front of a, a screen. Um, parents maybe have done a little better for themselves, and they don't they don't know the struggle as as much. Um, so I make it a point to bring him with me constantly to just show him what's going on, um, what's going on at work. He helps out with some of the with some of the like minor, you know. Uh, 
boxing and 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 little detail stuff oh, i know what you're talking about. i was like yeah. that with my dad i would help him out with all the minor little things i can yeah so this is this is me trying to just build some work ethic in in him um because that's exactly what how i grew up like my dad you know had a had a um uh, a restaurant um a supply store but he was supplying restaurants with like a like a like a costco for restaurants um and i would go on the weekends to, to help him and like move boxes and and bring things to p customers cars um that's that's that was my teenage years you know growing up and and i think that's what gave me um just the edge as far as uh being an entrepreneur and uh, a businessman there's something very inspiring about seeing your parents uh work and I know for me, personally speaking, watching my, my dad hustle, get up at six in the morning, uh, go to the restaurant, prepare, and just from six in the morning to 10 at night when he closes, and then afterwards he would have to clean the restaurant. Yeah. And we do, and I, I would take naps in the middle of the day in the office that they had in the back, and when we get home, it'd be pitch black, and it's already midnight, I'm tired. And my dad lets me sleep in, and at six in the morning, I hear him singing, showers up, and, and he just can't wait to get ready to tackle the next day. And what I thought to myself was, why is he so happy? I mean, this guy barely slept, worked his tail off. I mean, he's jumping in between being a cashier and going in the back cooking and then going, taking care of customers. Some customers want to come out, want him to come out so he can speak to them. And he's taking orders on the phone. And I'm, I just thought to myself, this is crazy. This is absolute. And then when everything's done, he turns into a janitor. You know, so you're an entrepreneur, janitor, chef, everything. And, and the way it makes me look at it when I was a kid, I just couldn't believe it. And watching my dad, I thought he was Superman. To me, he was Superman watching him. And when I told my dad at 12 years old, I, I was like, hey, dad, what do you think if I go into the restaurant business? And he says, no, 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 <laughs> no, no, not for you. Not for you. He, he's, he's like, I'm working this hard so you don't have to. Yeah, I, I remember having that same conversation, um, you know, not, not, not at that age. But, you know, when I decided to um, embark in food and beverage or hospitality, you know, his, his comment to me was like, you're crazy. We're, we we work so hard to put you through school, and this is this is what you want to do: um, run a restaurant. And uh, I'm like, yeah, I mean, I, I I love hospitality. I love feeding people. I love that hustle of, um, you know. And I think earlier in my career, I used this example, which was, I love buying something for a dollar, and then add add a little value and then or cook it right buy some food for a dollar cook it now i sell it for two dollars you're a food flipper yeah I'm a, yeah <laughs> right yeah food flipper and um I, I i that's the example i use and i'm like yeah i, I love that 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 making money mentality and I'm renovating food yeah that's and um that that's been with me for the last 20 years um just trying to figure out what to do to make to make money because you know, I, I took that route, the, the 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 school route, and like the 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 white collar job route, and you know, it it just wasn't you know similarly similarly to you guys, it's just not for me. You know, it wasn't for me. I mean, I can do it, but right. 
Um, but you have it'll, it'll be eating away at your soul. Yeah, uh, yeah, and like and like you. I, I'm so glad I I didn't like conform, right? And interestingly, I I think for myself is, I think what I did is very normal now, you know, like in in especially in like Asian culture where. Oh, you go to school. You should get a job. You should be a doctor, you know, lawyer, blah blah blah, pharmacist. I I think breaking that mold these days is is actually very common, um, more so than when when we were growing up or when I was growing up. Because back then, from from my parents' point of view as as an immigrant, that was not cool, highly right? unacceptable. Yeah, not 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 good. And I had to really prove my dad wrong, especially with Namwa, um, because I had failed once in, in in the restaurant business, and I had to go back into corporate, and then wait for this opportunity to come back. And I remember my dad saying to me, "Dude, like you're taking over this restaurant that pretty much is like on its last legs. It's it's grungy, it's grimy." Namwa, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, Namwa. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, it the last ten years, Uncle Wally's been running it. Like it's it's just his like hangout spot, and he'll do some movies and serve a little food. But he owns the building, so you're in for a rude awakening. Like taking this over, I'm like, but Dad, I'm like thirty, thirty one. I'm about to get married. Like I got this one bullet in the chamber, and if I don't fire it. I don't know if another opportunity like this is gonna come, come again. So I I did it, and like one of the main things was to really prove him wrong. And um, luckily, um, with with a lot of hard work, um, I proved him wrong tenfold. How did you have that conviction, though, having already failed once? Yeah, I I um I just to get back in the fight and actually win. Yeah, I just disliked. Working for someone, I I couldn't do it. I had that taste of freedom the first time. So, um, to to roll the story back a little bit, like in '07, I had opened a little like coffee shop bakery um, on the outskirts of Chinatown, and I did that for for three years. But I was never able to make ends meet. Like I would make a little bit of money, it's fine. But I'm there, like your dad, 6 a.m. Open up, bake the bread. Get the meat marinated, uh, open for service. You know, close at six, seven. Be the janitor. Get the stuff ready for the next day, and it was seven days. When things got a little better, okay, I bring on another person, and now we're breaking even. Um, or like when business is not as good, and like I've got an extra employee, now we're losing a little money. We were never. I was never able to really. Um. Profit, profit, make get it profit. to take yeah, off. Yeah, get it to take off, and it was just yeah. right there at the just breaking, always getting just good by, enough. getting yeah, getting by. It was, but like, I I I remember saying to myself, man, like, all right, I just paid myself whatever it was, but if I divided it by the hours I worked, oh boy, shit, it's like five dollars an hour, oh, yeah, <laughs> something like wage, that. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I was so. Into the fact that I was my I was my own boss. Yeah, and I saw that in my dad's eyes every yeah. single. That's day. why he was so happy, whistling he in the morning, was so singing. Happy. Yeah, yeah. It almost didn't matter. Like it, I didn't care. Like you know, so what? I'm making five dollars an hour. Mm-hmm. So what? 
Um, I'm, I'm just happy I don't need to listen to anyone. I don't have to listen to the man. But um, fast forward to the Namwa thing. Um, I was given the opportunity and I thought it was it, the timing of it was perfect. I was, I was just about to get married. Um, I had completed a couple of like just life goals, which was to participate in a marathon. I, I did a bunch. I did like over 10 um, to do a, a triathlon. I, I got up to doing a half Ironman. And I think per- personal goals, I was like, all right, I got these things under my belt. And now it's really time. Like I like wifey's like on the side. Like all right, I, w- the the wifey side I've got, life goals I've got. I gotta focus one hundred and ten percent on this restaurant thing, because if I don't, it's gonna eat at me for the rest of my life. And you know what? If I fail, at least I tried, and I can put that in my back pocket. I'm like, yo, I did it. Didn't work out. All good. Back to back to the grind, back to the nine to five, and let's wait for the next opportunity. But at least you have closure. Yeah, I have closure. But um, you know, two thousand and ten, we we started like the you know just the re- reconstruction of sorts, like fixing up the kitchen, cleaning up the place, uh, cleaning up the place to open uh, Chinese New Year twenty eleven. And you know, with a blink of an eye, it's it's been ten years. Um, but you know, I think, I think I was, you know, not for, we can, we can talk about the hard work and stuff, but you know, I think it was a lot, it was a, it was a combination of just luck, um, the, um, the, the internet and, uh, just a, a, a good starting team, uh, good starting team, meaning like I had the chef that was working with my uncle for like the last from like from the 80s like he was and he's still on board with us now so like the food side was going to be solid then the um like the 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 internet part like that was right when like the internet was popping off like 2010 and i remember um and i I tell the story a lot is um i'm like oh you know what facebook is is this new thing 2010 i'm like oh i'm gonna make a facebook page and like document the like the 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 reopening of of Namwa Tea Parlor, so I was like taking pictures and uploading it onto like the Namwa um, page. Uh, oh look, we got a new kitchen equipment today. Oh look, we we cleaned the floors today, and look look how nice look how nice these vintage floors look. And um, someone from the Daily News basically um, picked up on the on the uh, Namwa. Um, Facebook, Facebook page nice. and she actually was like an editor um, for the Daily News and uh, she's like oh my god I went to this restaurant when I was a kid with my grandpa like decades ago and it's such a it's such it's so awesome to hear that it's reopening um, under new management or what, whatnot I'm like oh hey nice to meet you like Gretchen like amazing like let's keep in touch and lo and behold, like the, 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 the week we opened, I'm, I'm in like the daily news, like Sunday daily news, like, 
you open the newspaper like right smack in the middle like I'm like I'm my like, arms crossed like this. <laughs> looking badass yeah, as hell yeah, le- le- leaning against like the you like got the ten- whole page you got the whole page yeah going two on? page two, two page. page wow double page I'm just like chilling like this I would have that frame somewhere yeah I, like, I, I, got boss man right I got it I got it and you know that's that's when I say like internet right like that really put me on the map yeah that's when social media was finding its identity becoming social media mm-hmm. yeah dude and and you know that just you know i i am such a yes man like you know even when, when norm's like hey you want to you want to come on this podcast i'm like fuck yes <laughs> <laughs> fuck yeah man yeah. but um that just led from one thing it led to another like daily news yes new york times yes wall street journal yes 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 so it started yes. with daily news and then it kind of just spread across yeah, the other news cycle spiraled and then like i was did you reach out to the other news vendors or did they No, it was all organic so, so one of them picked up the story and the rest of them said this is a great story Let's yeah get it. yeah because it's your it's your new york story so you must have been like this is it when yeah. that happened once the daily news happened and then you started gaining momentum you must have been like holy shit this is this is it this is it this I is got it. it yeah and and you know i was 32 at the time and man, like it's been like I think back now at, at forty two, I'm like, wow, what a what a ride that was. Like that that ten year clip has been really, really uh eventful, fruitful, um, you know, wins, losses, you, you name it. I, I, I it's it's under my belt. Right. So Especially- was it was it even a year in business before the whole you know, daily news thing, or was it in the beginning? Daily news was the week we opened. And then, um, and then, um, that was February in May. I was in New York times. Uh, at that point it was the 25 and under column and man, like for those who don't know, like New York times, that is like next level. Like people, that's all people read is the New York times dining, dining session, uh, section. And that really got the people coming in. And when the people, when I say people coming in, I mean all walks of life from like, dude, I, you know what? I was at this restaurant when I was in law school, like a struggling law student. I'm, I'm like, got my practice now in, in, in LA or wherever, like anywhere around the world. I've, I've, I've heard stories down to like, like four generations. Like, oh, grandpa used to come here. And they brought grandpa down to like the sun all together to, 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 to come eat at the restaurant for, for the memory. Um, and um, in June, I was on the cover of the dining section of the New York Times as, um, as one, of the, one of the, you know, there was a profile on like four or five restaurateurs that are second generation. And my my face again like on the on the on the cover of the dining section like can you imagine like chefs like high level chefs kill for like a spot like that and bro did you get any like hate mail no no hate mail so undeserving oh my gosh well i think underneath a lot of people's Mm. breath yes but i it was definitely like all good um well deserved and um that really kind of put us, like, kept putting us on the map, and and um, was Uncle Wally like, "Hey, let me let me get you the restaurant back." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I, I mean, like he was he was coming in a lot uh, in in the early days just to make sure like that handoff was like like mm-hmm. like straight Good, warm yeah. transition. And well, what, what did your dad say? So dad, um, you know, had his corner seat, corner corner table, and observed. And like wow. finally, you know, without saying anything to me, you know, the word on the street was like, "Yo." that your dad's like super proud of you because yeah. he would he would never <laughs> to this day never tell me like yo son good job man isn't that crazy yo, asian, asian dads parents. come yeah, on man. man you gotta give it you gotta give him that one at least asian dads yeah. Like, yeah so but word on the street is like when he you know my dad was a guy in, in chinatown new york and like he was running his own restaurant supply wholesale business so he people know who know who he was but to hear his colleagues or his um, the people in his um, circle uh, tell me that yo your dad's really proud of you, I'm like, that's right. Uh, he's definitely bragging. That's right. Uh, you know, he's definitely bragging about. Yeah, you know, I'm like, like, like look at my son on the New York yeah, Times look, he's dining a, like, section. Like, not forget yeah. about the English stuff. Look, he's in World Journal or uh, <laughs> Sing Tao <laughs> Daily, yeah, you know? Yeah. I'm like, well, I can't read that stuff, but cool. Yeah. Um, so that was that was definitely like a very, um, mem- it was very memorable for me to, to really, you know, to get that nod, not explicitly, not like, hey, good job, kid, but more like, oh, you know, the, the, paper, the paper supply guy told me that like, came to me and said, oh, your dad said, <laughs> Oh, holek <laughs> you know, which which means like, oh, um, very smart kid, very smart you know? kid. And then, uh, it's yeah, that's a literal translation, but that just means that I'm really proud. Yes, of yeah. my son or child. Yeah. yeah. So that that was uh, the the the, be- the the beginnings. You know, like we 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 kind of crushed it um, with the you know social media, and that wasn't social media wasn't a thing yet. You know, it was yeah. just starting 2010, 2011. And, um, you know, I, kudos to, to my chef. We are very, very consistent with our food. It is, you know, it's not the best. It's not tweezer food. We're not putting truffles on, hog, uh, on shrimp dumplings. We're not doing anything cutting edge or like fancy. But we offer very consistent dim sum that is uh, affordable. Uh, and, um, you know, that it, it tastes good. Right. You know, but it's not... It's not like, wow, mind-blowing uh, food. It's just very, very consistent. It's dependable. Yeah, dependable. And I think I always have this example. You know, like if you have like, this is the amount of people in New York. Like from like, this is, you know, for those who are listening, <laughs> I, I have like my hands, maybe like a, a foot. Uh, how do I even explain apart, apart. A, fo- a foot apart. And this represents the 8 million New Yorkers, right? On the top is like your fine dining, like the people that are like very, very like... Michelin rated. Yeah, Michelin or like very snobby. And at your bottom is your dollar slice, right? I just really need that sliver of people that are willing to pay $5 for an order of shrimp dumpling. Mm. Mind you, shrimp dumpling like 10 years ago, like... Two fifty, three dollars, and like, whoa, yeah. you're you're four dollars. Yeah, that's so expensive. I'm gonna go there. I'm like, cool, man. You you go do that. You so in that in that 
scheme, um, in my example, like, you know, you're like right below my, my target audience. I want this sliver of people that can spend $5 for a, a shrimp order of shrimp dumpling or $25 per person, right? Mm-hmm. I don't want anything more. I don't want anything less. So all the bottom feet, feet yeah, I don't want your business. I really don't want your business. You, you know what? You want to pay $350 for shrimp dumplings? Hey, go... I'm not going to name any names. So go to that place. Yeah. They have a really good $3.50 dumpling. Right. Or if if um if it's not good enough for you, I'm like, yo, go here. This place got an excellent $9 dumpling. I just wanted this. And I I am Why was that? Why is that? Well, I in my eyes like all these all these New Yorkers, I don't need to think Lower, I don't think need to think higher. I just want to capture this audience, and that's all I need, and that's what success for me would be. I don't need to please the people that think I'm too expensive, and I don't need to do more to 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 the people that um, uh, they want hot like hot, like better ingredients or like better service. I just want to be right here, and that's all I need to be successful. In New How York. did you know that? that formula would be lead you to a path towards success. I, I, I honestly don't know, but I knew numbers, right? And like, if I can maintain uh, a certain amount of customers a day willing to pay this amount of money, because honestly, like Chinatown, it's, and especially like our, our ethnicity, like our culture, like, oh, you're, you're $5 or I'm four seventy five. Well, you're four seventy five. Well, I'm going to be four dollars, right? And in my experience, the Chinese kill the Chinese, and mm. I knew I did not want to be part of that equation. Like, I'm, yo, dude, you want to do two fifty, two eighty? Yo, go do your thing, man. Like, more power to you. I'm going to actually send you customers because I really wanted to just tackle the people right. in this sliver, right. uh, New Yorkers in this sliver, I, and I think it also brings like a certain look to your brand and uh i mean looking at back at it now it obviously is not because you like you said you didn't just attract the 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 segment that was just looking for a quick bite that was super cheap you attracted all sorts of people and having that cachet of of being on the front cover of new york times dining i mean they're they're going i mean people that are reading that editorial oh, they're not going oh it's five dollars it should be four dollars as far as they know that's you know it is what it is i don't care i just want to try this guy's stuff out yeah and also yeah. i think like when you jumped into the whole social media aspect of things right like that that important communication to the younger generation other restaurants didn't have that kind of communication right yeah yeah so you know you know even to this day um you know in in a pandemic where you know we're doing a podcast in a pandemic and um you know there there's still mom and pop shops in the neighborhood that don't have a website that don't know how to use social media the the right way and you know they're they're you know nonprofits you know like people that were on your show prior uh to me uh you know like welcome to Chinatown and send Chinatown love that are helping these merchants figure out and maneuver like the 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 world wide web you know and honestly i i think that was what i was able to use to my advantage was like hey i i don't know 
all of it, but I'm willing to invest my time into figuring this social media stuff out uh, to a point where, you know, we have a social media person that, that, that does all of our, you know, social mediaing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I saw, you know, th- you know, that's one of the first things I did. Oh, uh, starting a new place. Okay, website. Okay, uh, you know, all our information is on web. And, there, you know, to this day, there's still places that don't have a website. And, like, it, it, it's just not the... You yeah, know, they're you just got- not comfortable with that. They don't understand that to them. It's it's like an it's alien to them. Yeah, yeah, and and I think that's a that's a that's a huge mistake, especially in um in the food space. Like if you don't have a presence, hey man, it's it's a New York story, you know. If you don't, you're, you're gonna get left behind if if you're not with with the times. Yeah, that's so true. One thing for sure um, is that change will always occur, and that you need to adapt and move with it, or else you'll be left behind. That yeah. said, fast forward, you know, this adventurous, joyous ride you've been having uh, to now where COVID happened about a year ago when we first hit our doorstep and people started looking at Asians or specifically Chinese people. Well, actually, they didn't even care. You could, as If you were of Asian descent and you just, our eyes all did the same thing. They were just like, you your fault they didn't even care if you were american they're going after your fault you know what and even if they weren't saying it was your fault immediately they wouldn't they don't want anything to do with you and that was action speaks louder than words because they started staying away from all of the asian restaurants yeah yeah how did what was what was that like a year ago for you um man you know it were you like the party's over no no um you know, it, it's so funny because this is this is just a year ago, but it seems so damn long. You know, it's it's, it's been, been a long year. It's been yep. like a grind. Um, I, you know what? I think for me personally, I'm very, um, I, and I don't let that stuff like get to me. I'm very, um, man. I'm I'm at a loss for words right now. But, but were you? I, I'm saying. Just the business side of things, because you had a ten-year run, a strong ten-year mm-hmm. run, right? And and going into it, COVID, where there's talks of shutdowns, there's talks about the like, there's so many unknowns. And but what people do know, especially in Chinatown, uh, the business owners, are that people weren't coming anymore, and that foot traffic has become so light, and that they're having to. Diff- major challenges making ends meet and keeping people employed yep and uh for restaurant owners the people that they employ a lot of the times been there for several years with them throughout this whole journey and they they become like family you know Mm -hmm. everything about them Mm -hmm. you know you guys get sick together you guys get married have have kids and you you see all the ups and downs you guys become extremely close yeah yeah and now they're having to make the tough decision like i can't afford I could barely afford to keep these lights on, and uh, and you have to let someone you care deeply about go. You're 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 pondering that decision, like so. At that stage, there, what what was it like? Well, you know, we so you know, I I think I think everyone knows that like New York shutdown was like March 16th um, was was the was the first day of the lockdown, and you know, I I. Re- you know, again, it's like this is just last—not even a year ago, but it seems so long ago. Um, 
you know, for me, I, I think everyone, um, all my all my staff was was obviously aware. Um, everyone has like someone in China, and like they're getting all this news already that it's really bad there. And you know, it's part of like I want to say like part of my culture, our culture, to really live within our means as as sons of immigrants, right? And it was almost there was not much conversation about it. I know, like you said, a lot of these guys that work for me have have long tenures with me. You know, we have people that's been here since day one. And I think part of our culture is save money. And I know when times are good, everyone was saving their money. They're, they've got their their living situation figured out, and we're gonna go into hibernation, and and it was okay because no one wants to take the train in March, April, you know, like no one wants to do that, especially with all the xenophobia, like all the random acts of violence on the subway and on the street. So out of precaution of safety, uh, we were all on the same page. Um, you know, go get your unemployment, go get your money right. We will reconvene when the time is right. And uh, it was it was very understood. And everyone from top to bottom, all were on the same page because we are a family. And, you know, when I eat, they eat, we all eat. But when I don't eat, you know, I'm going to do what I can. Like we paid out for the, for the, I think we paid out to the end of the month or something like that. And we just went, we hibernated. And we opened back in, I think, two months, uh, May 17th, I remember the date. Two oh, months. We took two months two off. Two months off. And, um, you, know, they, they, you know, they got unemployment. They're able to figure it out. Live, like, again, living within their means. You know, these are, these are immigrants. Like, these are my parents, you know, mm-hmm. like my parents' age. And I know how they save money and, like, you know, ration things and like kind of pull things out of the cupboards. Survivors. Know. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's just in our nature. That's our in our DNA. You know, as as immigrants. And you had to do that for multiple locations, right? Because you own more than one restaurant. It's well, not just the one on Doyer, right? Well, here's the thing. Uh, we had to do that for Tea Parlor, uh, the the OG restaurant, because mm-hmm. of the staff is older. It's just natural. Like they're. You more know, at this, risk. They're more at risk because you know COVID is is hitting the the the, the elderly or you know fifties and above, sixties yeah. and above more. Um, whereas my other locations in so in New York uh, we have a location, this location which is in the Nolita neighborhood of Manhattan, that stayed open throughout. Right here. Yep, this stayed open. Throughout. I love this location. B- yeah, by because. The way. Yeah. Because um, I grew up three blocks from here. Oh yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what Norm said, right? <laughs> yeah, we used to live around here. The, the Norm grew the, up across the street, across oh, really? the street, yeah. under Lansing and Christine. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. you're yeah. like neighbors, <laughs> and we never met each other till college. <laughs> yeah. when we were 500 miles away. I know that's small world. Yeah, small world. Yeah. But um, this location, um, mainly because it's not much sit down. This is our fast casual. I want to like for those who are not in the known like restaurant lingo. This is like. Kind of, we have a kiosk. You order what you want, and like you, you get out. Mm. Uh, we were able to continue opening, and we had a just a way younger staff here. Like the staff here, like the average age was thirty, not fifty-five. 
And uh, they're like, hey, boss, we, we, we'd like to just keep working if you don't mind. I'm like, hey, go through your thing. Like, stay open. And um, we, we kept this open throughout. And, uh, you know, the numbers dipped for sure. But, you know, it was enough to pay the rent, um, enough to pay the, the labor, and, and it wasn't bleeding. So we kept it open. And uh, it, it turned out to be a, like, good idea, like, to be you know, to like be of service to the, to the neighborhood. You know, it was like one of the very few places that were, that was open throughout the pandemic. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, it was more because of staffing, you know, the staffing was young. They're all kind of single people living by themselves and like, they didn't have like multi-generational households. So it was, it was actually easier to keep this open. We have another location at the market line, uh, on the land sea, um, by the bridge that We're, one that one's closed because it's it's in a like it's almost like a food hall so that hasn't opened yet so that's that's been closed and philly same thing uh philly we have a very very small team there three people um it was closed for two months and then we opened and then we kind of just ramped things up like slowly but very tight team um and just take out it's fine um, it's in it's in the outskirts of Philly Chinatown, so like it's got its own clientele that drives, picks up, and like there's no like needing to take the subway or like right. like people like mm -hmm. in each other's faces. Right. But here in Chinatown, um, just a little more, uh, you know, the thought process is like, okay, how do we make this uh, a safe environment? And um, you know, we we figured it out. Like we're we're open. Uh, seven days now, but like very scaled back hours. Like we're, it's almost where it's one shift. It's twelve to eight, uh, seven days. So we we try to, you know, open a little later so that um, the staff doesn't need to all come in early and and take the train together. And we close a little early for for as a restaurant. So like they're not they're not subjected to taking the train late at night. Yeah, so you guys have become more lean during these times and adjusted. Yeah. Sounds like you adjusted quite well. Are you seeing things starting to come back or normalize? Uh, Chinatown's a little interesting. Um, you know, I I think I think it's still not there yet. Um, I think Chinatown is indeed, um, you know, for lack of better words, a, a tourist destination of sorts. Um, we thrive when people come visit. And until that happens, um, I, I don't see things getting better. Right. Even with the announcement, uh, I believe that they're going to bring back indoor dining. Uh, yeah, in a couple in, of weeks. Uh, indoor dining, twenty five percent for Valentine's Day. I think that that will help a little bit. But you know, once you go indoors, you know now you have to hire more staff. Twenty five percent is really not motive. It's not it's not going to do a restaurant any good. Um, I don't think the, the numbers make sense until 50% uh, indoor capacity. And mind you, Chinatown are all these old buildings and they're, the, the sizes varies, right. right? And like, what does 25% mean for like a restaurant like Nam Hua in, in Chinatown? That means 18 people. Uh, based on the occupancy. Mm -hmm. And I think in a lot of restaurants, it's even less than that because, you know, they yeah, might be like sure. a 40-seater. That's only 10 seats. Or like it might be a 20-seater. That's yeah. five people. Some with less, yeah. So 25%, hey, you know what? I'm not going to complain, um, but it, it, it 
it it just you you basically kick the ball down the road and it's like okay we're all right 25 percent indoors we maybe they've got like a little outdoor setup and takeout and delivery people are supporting because you know that's been like a big thing for me is like supporting chinatown and people are still coming in and they want to support chinatown they're taking takeout they're sitting outside in the cold and with that combination maybe it makes a little sense but until 50 percent or more it's it's gonna be a little hard you know i i feel i can't help but feel that a lot of politics were being involved here on a high level and i think that restaurants got short end of the stick stick. yeah Yeah, we we got shafted they definitely Yeah. yeah um but you know it's i the way i see it so i have a very like unorthodox um thought process on this um and that is um it, it's really unknown right now right like we're we're people are talking about the aerosols out of your mouth that mm-hmm. you can like with covid and all that so like i can't blame government officials for like taking these measures right to 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 um help um calm these numbers down right um but you know the 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 news is telling us that hey you know transmissions in restaurants is still very low compared to like in-house gatherings and and whatnot right so i don't necessarily like blame our 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 government for shutting it down uh i think i think it it it's it's an answer to a bigger problem right and like this is one of the steps because you know you are eating and then you know you're you're you got your mask down and we all know mask saves lives right i think all we can all agree that the mask thing is is indeed a thing um but on the other side i also feel that the restaurant industry has gotten out of control um restaurants now are you know everyone wants to open a restaurant it's the cool thing to do. Oh, I'm going to go open a restaurant. Is it? Because, well, I, you know, I, I think the last 10 years, um, you know, with the, with the, um, with like the cooking channel and food network, you know, similarly to, to us telling our parents like, Hey dad, or mom, I'm, I'm going to go open an ice cream shop. I'm going to go open this little, like little, um, whatever bakery or um we we sell snacks or um you know we've got one you know we we do banh mi's or we do like cookies the, yeah, yeah yeah like the the the, the restaurants or like food s- stores that sell like that one thing mm-hmm. or like we just do french fries or we just do waffle ice cream and like listen i'm not talking shit or anything but it's kind of out of control man like everyone wants to open a restaurant like every like they think it's like easy or something or like oh there's like a lot of opportunities and it's almost like the stock market like i see this as like a stock market crash and then because so you're saying there's a restaurant bubble yeah yeah i totally feel that there's just too many restaurants there's too many options you know like everyone wants because they have this creative thing or like they have this one item that can be an instagrammable item and because of social media, um, everyone wants to get into the food business because it's either cool because it's on TV or like, oh, it's it's very Instagrammable. They want to make some money. They want to make some quick money. 
but this isn't this restaurant thing isn't for like the faint of heart you know it's like it's a it's a tough business a lot of competition rents are high food costs is high labor is high so you know what i i in some senses i think the pandemic actually is it it popped that restaurant bubble a little bit and listen i get it you know we're all struggling um restaurants the restaurant industry got the got shafted but i don't think a lot of people in the food business should be in the food business to begin with uh, well, now that you mention it i mean it just crossed my mind and i didn't even realize it how many friends i know personally that opened restaurants hey whether you it's know desserts or something Listen, high end you know what? I, i'm not here to like talk shit but it it if you looked at it i mean you know the way i look at it it's it's just too much it's too much out there right now and like you know where like competing ice cream shops you know i i or or whatever it like or like a hot dogs whatever you know but it's just it's just a lot and like the consumer has a lot of options like you know even on like the real estate front like if what 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 does retail do anymore besides restaurants because you can't be like a hardware store anymore because people are going to Home Depot and like they're ordering from Amazon. So you're almost forced to like for for commercial space be food food concepts. And um, when when pandemic hits, like everyone's is going crazy because you can't really go eat anywhere. And then and then um, everyone's crying now. Oh, the food business is is um, you know where. It's so hard right now. I'm like, well, it's hard because there's so many people doing it. And, you know, prior to COVID, it's like, man, it's so hard to find like a good chef. It's so hard to find a good like um, food worker, you know, because there's just too much. There's too many restaurants. So the business has become so saturated that it was actually made it more challenging to find the best talent. Yeah. Yeah, so I think actually, like, interesting. I, I, I kid around when I say this, but there's some truth to it. But, you know, post-pandemic, like, I think it evens out the playing field a little bit. Like, you know what? I will have a bunch of resumes from people looking for work that are in the food sector because a bunch of stuff just closed, mm-hmm. you know? And, you know, for as a, as a survivor of sorts of, of, of COVID, not, not me, not me getting it, but like as a, as, as a, as a restaurant owner. group surviving it, there's going to be a lot of opportunity, uh, in the future, in the near future with just real estate or labor, uh, because those are, those are the two. So the spoils go the victors. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, the, the one, the businesses that can't pivot their business from a indoor dining or, what I saw was mostly like some businesses did pop up during the pandemic and some restaurants too. Yeah. But the way they approach it is more of like, okay, this is a new time. This is how we're going to serve people. So we're going to pivot the business towards this way. Right. And the, the, the businesses that can't catch up, they're going to disappear. Well, most of the businesses that I've heard of disappearing are the ones that couldn't adapt to this changing time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, a, that's another big one. You know, similarly to us, you know, 2020... Um, you know, challenging for everyone. Um, I think for us, we we made huge pivots um, at, for, as a restaurant group. And one of the biggest pivots that we made was um, moving our food into frozen. 
and we were able to, um, you know, we, you know, the business is how do you how do you make money outside the four walls of the restaurant is is what I'm thinking in my mind um, through the, in in the middle of the pandemic, and we were able to pivot into frozen foods and. Right now, we have over eight items that we have frozen, and we have a nationwide service um, that takes our frozen products to all fifty states, and we've hit all fifty states. Does it go into supermarkets? So not not yet. Um, We we aren't we're not in like major supermarkets yet, or I I might not even actually that's not my my target, but we're able to do e-commerce into frozen dumplings uh, through our um, nationwide service provider gold belly which is which is oh, gold um, belly, yeah, yeah it's that's the service oh, that they're we the use distributor Distri- oh, yeah so they they through through e-commerce yeah. we're able to use gold belly to get our products all 50 states into people's homes mm-hmm. um, we are in approximately and this number grows every week uh, we're in approximately 10 retail locations and this is our frozen product in specialty supermarkets. Like, um, there's one in Brooklyn called the Meat Hook. Yeah, um, the butcher shop. Yeah, butcher shop. Yeah. So our items are in that store. Um, we are in um, a place called Serene Green out in Sag Harbor, Long Island. We are in um, Foster Sundries, also in Brooklyn. So there's a bunch of these like little specialty shops that um have have our products so that was the 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 major pivot for for us as a brand um over this pandemic and a big kudos goes out to my team for making that stuff happen because in my eyes as a as a 42 year old like what we charge for these things is not like what i would it's too expensive for me but there is a market for it and there are people buying it so this is what my team has taught me really and like they transitioned from like um you know like from social media and like chefs to logistics and sales you know and this is this is big props to my team and the youth of my of my team uh to be able to to make these changes within this past 12 months to um, to a business that is very like we see legs to this going 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 forward. Like so, with, there were no talks about this prior to COVID. No, no, no. This I mean, like, as a result of COVID. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I mean, there there were some like talks. Like I was always like toying with the idea of Go Belly, and like we had like some we had like the like the packaging. Like you know, a, a lot of small businesses what they don't understand is like the power of branding, right? And all of like how things look the look and feel of things. And, you know, I, I think I, I, I do a little bit, a better job of that. I like think you do branding. a great job of, of that, actually. But, but um, you know, we had these, like, pouches already, like, like ready to be made because I wanted to try it. But, like, COVID really, like, ramped that up, like, quicker to, um, to, to get them and, like, to put our stuff in bags and to send out. So um, that, that was a major pivot. And honestly, it's, it's, you know, I, I, I'm a, I'm a goddamn hustler, man. Like I, I saw opportunity like throughout COVID where I just started targeting like apartment buildings. Like I would pick up the phone and I, you know, I would walk my neighborhood and I live in Fidei 
and I would walk my my um my neighborhood and I would go and talk to the doorman. I'm like, hey, who's the management here? Um, I'd love to offer um, takeout for the building where I basically on on the on the technology side, I can make like a like a like an ordering form, send it to send it to like the building manager. I'm like, hey, um, one eighty Water Street. This is uh, we're doing a, a takeout service for you today with drop offs at six p.m. and eight p.m. Um, in return, we're gonna we're gonna give free free dinner to your doorman. And the management people basically, oh wow, that's awesome! Like this can be like um, you know no fees because like. An extra perk for them. Extra perk for them. No fees. They, I will do the delivery. And we would do thousands and thousands of dollars in business where I take my car. Every day was another building. And we would do two drops. 6 p.m. dinner, 8 p.m. dinner. Wow. And all done on, on like a... This is during COVID. This is during COVID. Wow, yeah. wow. All done on like a Google form. Every apartment, what they want. We would individually bag it. And I would take it to the building, hook up the, the doorman. Yo, good looks. Here's some free dinner. Or like they, they give us an order on the, on the order form. And uh, take care of the, 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 the building manager and the doorman. And now I got 40 orders for that day or 60 orders for that day. Wow, you're unreal. Instead of, you know, and rightfully so, I can see how so many people could feel helpless and, 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 and just just kind of wait it out and and wait for it to pass you did the opposite you said no there's opportunity somewhere yeah and, and, and it, it keeps how, going how know? did you calculate that That's, it, it's kind of like blowing my mind because the natural human way to think is like oh this sucks and okay and and that's it you know and you kind of went the other way totally yeah and, I, and it's very spontaneous it sounds very spontaneous and and you're just jumping at all these opportunities that ends up working out. How do you yeah. calculate that? I, I don't know. I you know it's just part of my DNA, man. Like I, I, I think this is just the entrepreneur's mindset, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, not only that, like it's it's just being able to use technologies for our advantage, you know. And like um, with 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 that opportunity, we started hitting up the same building managers. Like, hey, man, like. Your tenants can't use the gym, can't use the outdoor space, or can't use like the 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 common areas in the in the building. Mm-hmm. Why don't you offer? We can we can do a cooking class for the residents oh, in your building. Wow. So that was such a gangster move, and it wasn't even my idea. It's one of my uh, uh, Barbara that works for me. Works oh, work with. You got an excellent team. You, you got you, one hell of a team. Yo, we wow. basically door knocked hey you should offer this as a as a um like a like in, not incentive like a like um you know like because you can't use the gym and stuff you know your what, what are those things called like amenities offer this cooking class to your tenants as an amenity we'll sell you the kit the steamer the 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 the, the pork and shrimp uh mixture the wrappers um you know all the all the the, the mise en place or like the little things you know, the scallions all that stuff. Yeah. Sell you the kit for forty bucks. Hey, let's get on a Zoom. This date, this time, I'll have a chef. And that totally works because my wife was just she was so 
um, hyped about learning how to do cold press coffee. She had a virtual class where they sent her to a kit. Yo, you Grounded see? up coffee, they the, the, the whole press and everything to do it. And she had a virtual. She was so stoked about it. She's like, I can't wait. And I'm just like, you're just learning how to do a cold press over there. But yeah. she, there's something about it. And then the packaging, like you were saying earlier. Was, the branding. It was just so intimate. And then uh, and then I couldn't wait for her to finish because I'm was like, i a coffee head. And, and when I had it, I was like, man, that was good. And, and now I'm a customer because when I tasted the coffee, I was like, man, that is some smooth stuff there. So, yeah. Genius. So, we, we, you know, it's 40 bucks a pop. And, you know, we... We even learned how to do like this setup, you know, like we're we're not from like this world, you know, and like we we you know, not me, but like my my team, like kudos again to my team. We got all the, the camera equipment, we got the ring this light. This is where you do the setup? The zoom? No, no, no. We do we do it upstairs. <laughs> oh upstairs. Um, but you know, we were able to adapt and like learn how to do this. You know, to go on, you know, we got the mics, we got the wireless mics. Like we were like, we were like pros and, you know, with the ring light and and I did a whole bunch of these like Zoom cooking, virtual cooking classes and um, we were keeping our, our customers engaged. We were having dialogue and they're buying our frozen product and um, that's the pivot. You know, and and um, and you're also selling merch. You told me earlier. Right? Yeah, yeah. This is if if you're watching this on YouTube, like this is our like part of our merch. Like we have all our T-shirts, we've got pins, we've got sweatshirts, all the boxes for it. And what made you think of that? A lot of people in the restaurant business, uh, and I don't really see them expanding to this level. I mean, you have a lot of boxes. This is not there. even all of it. This is just part of it. And earlier when we came in, we saw I think Patricia. She was. Just, Killing, killing yeah we're we're, those we're labels yeah we're getting ready for this week's like gold belly and all the merch um but the merch was we've always had merch like t-shirts and stuff but um we really expanded our offerings to different like more merch and i was never a big fan of it because i'm like hey i'm, I'm a restaurant man i i sell food not not t-shirts and stickers yeah, exactly but it, again you know like i i i, I listen I listen to my staff. I listen to the people I surround myself with, the entrepreneurs that I surround myself with, my mentors. You know, and, you know, I am a yes person again. Like I will try anything once, and um, so far so good. I, I think we, I think we got through. You know, the 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 gist of the the pandemic, like relatively okay. Like we're we're here. Um, we're healthy, we're safe, and uh, you know, with vaccine stuff coming in, like I think we're, I think we see some light at the end of the tunnel. But yeah, I, I mean, 2020 was was was, was interesting. Yeah, it was it was very so, very interesting. Now, listen, I wanted to ask you this before, uh, but I think I got the answer to it because you said you were in the corporate world, and I was wondering if any of those skills are transferable, and it looks like you did. Your sales <laughs> acumen, uh, it seems like. It helped you navigate, especially in the last year. Yeah, I'm I'm very very um, sales focused, and um, definitely um, that's that's definitely what I've learned from from an office setting. Um, but I, I honestly think it was also just in my DNA as well. Like I, I think I'm a, you know, from from a kid, you know, I remember like selling baseball cards and like you know comics and and. Um, you know, I I still remember like I would make these like origami like like ninja stars and like I would sell them like ten for a dollar. So I've always like 
loved making money. And uh, that's just one of the characteristics of, of, you know, being in a restaurant business or being an entrepreneur is like to make money. How do you do that? And, um, you know, I'm just doing it with, with, with food. Now, it seems like a, a lot of the things you did uh, in the, your past led you to all of these moments and it's helping you survive it. And not only survive it, but actually thrive in it. And you're you're getting excited with a lot of these uh, changes, and and you're you're embracing it. Do you think everything happens for a reason? Ah, wow, that's a good question. Um, I think to a certain point, um, things happen for a reason. Um, the other. The other parts of it are, um, I, I believe luck has to do with a lot of things. Also, just being in the right place, right time, um, but also just head down and, and grind. That's that's. I think that's the main focus. Like, if if you don't put in the time, you're you're never gonna get that result that you want. And um, it. So it's, can you it's, say it's, that again? If you don't put in the time, you'll never get the result that you want. Preach, brother. Preach. And, you know, call me old school, man. Like, I'll take that all day because I will grind it out all day. And, you know, I love talking to the young kids, not kids, like the 20-year-olds these days. And like, oh, you know, like my phone, I can, like, look at this. I can buy, like, this Bitcoin. Or like, you know, that was a good good, uh, podcast, too. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I can buy this Bitcoin, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, or, 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 um. Or flipping sneakers, right, is, a, is another big thing um, for, for uh, millennials and younger. And I'm like, that's cool. I, I mean, like, I don't see any, va- like, it, there's, no, there's no pride in that. But I'm, I'm very prideful of what I built and what I'm doing. Um, whereas, like, yo, you can flip sneakers, great. You can make a million dollars, great. But, like, what else is there aside from that? And uh, I think that's that's the difference. Yeah, I think for those people, uh, it's about the hustle. They may they may have uh, started as a because uh, I know a lot of sneakerheads and sneaker yeah. flippers. Um, I think for them, it's they found a way to monetize something that they love, and and that's been a huge part of the sneaker culture. And it doesn't look like it's dying. It's yeah, it's, it's only getting tremendously. better. Yeah. So power to those people um, because I'm. I, I was a consumer of of uh, the Jordans. You're the, demi- the demand side. I mean, I you mean, still yeah, can. I mean, like we all, I mean, you know, it, it, I think it's it's fine, you know, but like don't get too crazy over it, right? Like I, I, I do it. Like I'll, I'll, I'll jones over a pair of sneakers yeah. all day, you know, like yeah. it's normal. Yeah. So, I, you know, I can't help sometimes, you know, when when I had so many moments in my life where they were extremely difficult extremely challenging and to the point where i wasn't sure if i would be able to pull myself up you know it was just i was just so deep in shit and and life does that to us it wasn't even a situation that i may have created it's just i just kind of fell in it due to my surroundings Mm -hmm. It, it was almost like unavoidable and i had two options it was either to stay down and and let it consume me or fight and claw and kick 
and just work my way out of it. And it took a lot of hard work. And I kept moving. And when I got out of it, the best case scenario for me at that time was that I didn't die there. And that I, I, I get the opportunity to continue living, right? And fast forward to my adult life. I had so many situations where if I didn't, if it wasn't for that experience, I would have blown out of proportion. And it made me go, this is small potatoes. This isn't, this isn't that. No, that was hard. This is a tickle. This is nothing. Yeah. And, and I get those tickles now. Like that's not, that's nothing. Like I've been through way worse and it helps you to not overreact. Yeah. I think that's mm-hmm. key or become overly emotional. But that happens with age too. Like, um, you know, I, I don't consider myself old, but like I'm experienced. You know, I've I've lived, a, you know, like a life where I've seen a lot of things and and um, it's it's managing those expectations or managing the, the risk of, of sorts. So, you know, I, I think... You know, the older you get, the, the more wise you get. So, you know, and, and you've made those mistakes. And, you, you know, I, there's definitely mistakes I've made that I, I'm never doing again. Um, so it's a constant learning, uh, constant learning um, scenario. And I'm always, uh, I'm always learning. I think there's not a day that goes by that, that I'm not learning something. Um, and I just got to keep, keep at that as, as long as I can. Yeah, you mentioned something about luck. How, how, what, what is that? What is that? I mean, a lot of people don't believe in it and a lot of people do. And I'm here listening and I'm trying to define what is luck for you. I'm trying to figure that out. Is, is it something that's really out there or uh, the way uh, people in the past look at it? The gods are with you, right? Or, some, some people say that you create your own luck. Like yeah, you create your I, own I'm, opportunities. I'm more on that. Like I, I create my own luck. Um, you know, just having the mindset and or, or just li- being a good listener, you know, can create opportunities that um, that wouldn't have come uh, my way. So I, I, I think it, it's more like what Norm's saying. It's not like, oh, I'm wearing this lucky Buddha and like I go go <laughs> to the four leaf clover. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not like that. But like, it's just like, OK, uh, let me look at the options and like just doing it. And then if I do it and it doesn't work out, great. I learn from that and let's move on. So hard work equals luck. I, in, in, some, in some degrees, I, because I would Because without that. that hard work, you would never have been in a position to receive that. Correct. Correct. So essentially starts with hard work and then there's several things in between that. But end result, that luck had to play a part in it. But if it wasn't for that hard work... The luck would have never even... Yeah. And you know what? This, this is the type of topic that I can talk about for hours, you know, because hard work means different things for different people, you know? And like, as, as we're, as a society in this upward mobility society, like, hey, you know, like, it's normal to like move up in society, right? Like, hey, you're doing better than how your parents were doing and sure. th- they were doing better than their parents, right? So... You know, I, I think that the younger folks really need to like look at their opportunities and figure that out and make a very clear decision. Now, I hear from a lot of younger folks because I do listen a lot. Um, and it's very interesting when I speak to the folks that are in their 20s just getting out of college. Mm-hmm. 
uh, to the folks that are already more established in their careers in their 30s and 40s, our age bracket, and then our seniors, you know, our parents, grandparents. And there's a, I mean, there's a huge difference in thought and what hustle means. Right. Um, because what my, what I consider hustle, my mom and dad would consider a layup. It is nothing to them. And what kids in their 20s consider us hustling, uh, they may contribute that to a toxic mentality. What are your thoughts on that? I, I, I strongly agree. Um, like, like you said, toxic is already, um, I mean, like it's it's. I mean, we can take this any any direction, but like, you know, the first thing I think about is like mental health, right? Health, and you know, the stuff that our generation goes through, and like it's just like, oh, okay, it's fine, sweep it under the rug, it's fine. But like, I, I think the 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 folks that are in their twenties now, like, they're very uh, quick to like point those things out. And those 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 toxic things like mental health and like they're very quick to like you know what um, I, I got to do something so that I don't get into that into that rabbit hole of um, you know negative thinking or just just being in a bad spot. Whereas for me, like I've been there so many times and like I spend so much time thinking about that. Whereas now it's like okay i'm not going to think about that at all it's because it's going to take me to a wrong a, a different place and i give props to to to, to the young folks on that because i i definitely can't do that like i will get deep into it before i'm like okay let me pull myself out yeah 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 i i, I give them a lot of credit because they seem in some areas more self-aware yeah where they can yeah. stop themselves you know just speaking i'm speaking extremely broad here but that generation seems to be doing better than our generation in, in in catching toxic behavior because even now um like just if you take the version of me in my 30s versus the version of me in my 20s versus the teenage version you'll see a huge growth in mental health yeah, yeah. huge growth in mental yeah. health whereas before i would let just the negative self-talk um, consume me where like oh you can't do that or you're not good enough even though I could I was clearly the best one or clearly qualified but for some reason it was like don't you can't like for example if it's just I use this example all the time but if it's just running a mile my th the first three quarters of a mile my brain's gonna go this sucks you can't do it it hurts you know your legs are gonna break it starts talking all this shit and this negative cell to it and, and it kind of goes with so many and i don't know if this is something that happened in early in my childhood to, to for this voice to be so strong throughout my entire life actually it's up until my 30s where it just tells me these things like to quit to stop i'm not qualified um don't do this don't go up to her don't try and do this. It's safer here. Just be comfortable here. Just be comfortable. It's always trying to put me in a position. Just eat that. Don't work out. Put on the TV. Just relax. Just relax. And I'm and I'm having this conversation with myself. And a lot of the times, I mean, and that's just the I'm giving you the G-rated, mm -hmm. the 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 hard the R-rated. You know, the ones that is like, hell no, you suck. And this is really self-defeating talk where I have to just 
sometimes go now that I'm older, I catch myself I'm like, no, 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 no. And I'm just like, you're awesome. You can do this. And I start looking at everything that I've accomplished and be like, nah, none of that shit is true. Look at it. Look at my resume. Yeah. Look what I'm able to do. I, I think I think the point I want to make with that is that that feeling is really from our parents. Right. I, I have a big feeling. Um, I, I I'm a firm believer that you're you know you're a product of your environment, and if if your parents are telling, oh, don't do this, don't do that, oh, you can't do that, oh, you're gonna get hurt, you listen to it. Right. And I think so. I what I can Boom. say. Um, Will and I, as 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 dads, what we can do is really inspire our own children and give them like the keys, like, hey, go try that. You know what? Do that and see what happens. And really unlocking that for our kids, because we're dads now, and we don't want them to be subjected to what we grew up with. And and that's honestly all I can do at this point in my life and my career as a dad, as a mentor, is to do my best with the next generation. Because honestly, like like the 20-something-year-olds, the 30s, like, I can't change their minds anymore. Like they are how they are. Right. And um, I can't change that. Yeah. But what I can change is my own kids. Right. You know, and like that's... I feel the same way. That's what my wife and I really are focused on right now. It's like, hey, if you take on the path of raising children, you need to put the time in to make sure they grow up to be decent human beings because we're all attached to the phones and like all of that stuff and they can get into like, you know, a bad place with, you know, like being social to like taking, you know, like, all the bad things that can go on with the, with the internet stuff, but I think for us, it's it's really as as parents, um, we have we have to we have to assume that role and encourage our children, and um, that's how um, I think change can be made. Yeah, how how do you fight that inner dialogue with yourself? You know, I it, it's it's an ongoing thing. I mean, like there's going to be bad days and there's going to be good days, but I, I, I. I look at it where like, hey, if the good days are more than the bad days, like that's that's a, that's win. a win, you know. Yeah. Like, and Net I'm gonna take positive. that all day, yeah. Because like, you you can't stop the bad days; they're yeah. gonna happen. They're like, gonna happen. Yet, you know, something's gonna break, someone's gonna quit, or you're gonna lose a bunch of money. But I gotta look at the good days too, you know, and like make sure those are accounted for. Like, you know, we were talking about like the ten years of Namwa, right, and like. Hey, like this year sucks. Yeah, we made pivots, but I had like nine great years, and I can't let this pandemic like consume me, because I can go into this downward spiral. Like, and I have over fifty employees. Like, if I get down in a rut, they're gonna get down in a rut, and like, like the the screws are gonna start coming off, and you're gonna get really deep into like a toxic place so i have to say chipper like Mm -hmm. hey good job guys like hey you you know we don't you know we didn't make any money today it's fine but you know what tomorrow we will you know when it's sunny tomorrow we're gonna crush it that is such an underrated leadership quality have to do it i mean like if every day oh man 
oh, we didn't make any money. Oh, we lost money today. Then oh, that's going to f- make everyone feel that yeah, way. Yeah, and then like no one's going to hustle. You no know, one's no one's going to, no, we're not doing any more of those like cooking shows. All they'll time. be looking for another job on the low. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And, you know, building a team is of the, you know, all those entrepreneurs out there that, that are listening, you know, you are only as strong as your team. And if you can't build a team, there's 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 really no point like it, you, you know unless you're like a self-employed person like you know if you're like a cpa or like yeah, a, yeah. a like a lawyer and like you can do it you can work at your own pace you know you can take on this many clients it's funny because you were telling me that you're not into team sports and you play basketball because yeah, yeah. we're both we're both we you know i guess we're rare we're both over six foot three yeah yeah um you're actually taller. You're like six four, six five. Hey man, someone's got to be taller than you. When I came, when I came There's in, and I saw you. I was like, "Holy you. shit, he's taller than Damn. me!" <laughs> I was like, "I love it." No, no when no I first, hate, when man, I first I came it. in, I was like, "Damn, this guy is taller than world." <laughs> I was like, "I love it, man." I was like, "That's awesome." Uh, I, mean, I don't like, have to slouch when I'm talking <laughs> to you. <laughs> it's funny. I, I mean, like, you know, I, I I think, you know, there's all this like. Um, like how most CEOs are like tall and stuff. Like I'm like ah, that's fine. Like I, I listen to it, but like it that doesn't mean a thing to me. Like uh, yeah, I think I'm more. I think it's to my advantage because like hey, I'm more noticeable and like hey, I'll take that spotlight right away. You know, mm-hmm. like if hey, you want to give me the spotlight, I'll take it. Um, but yeah, I I mean you know as far as restaurants concern, um, Chinatown is concerned. Um, you know, we can all use a little more. Um, you know, you know, we're not out of the, the 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 negative stuff yet. There's still a little bit to go, but you know, for me, it's like I, I look at the positive again. I gotta stay positive. Um, you know, 2020 was technically like our our the centennial ce- celebration of Namwa. We didn't really get to do That's that. That's amazing. Congratulations, yeah. by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Years. 100 wow. years. We 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 made this cookbook uh, to I coincide. Love the color too. Yeah. It's making so, me hungry. Um, this I know is, what uh, that taste and smells like. Yeah. I love yeah. the design, the branding. Yeah. Um, but you know, this cookbook was really a celebration for our, for our 100 years that you know we kind of didn't really do, but maybe we can do it this year. But you know, other ways to support us is, you know, again, we were talking about merch earlier. Um, we were talking about our cookbook. Uh, this is really not just a celebration of the restaurant. Um, it's not a celebration of my, of what I did or what the restaurant did. Um, it's a really a celebration of the community. Um, inside this cookbook, not only are there recipes to our, um, all like our dim sum and, and our Cantonese style feast. It really talks about um, stories of other mom and pop businesses in Chinatown, um, like uh, Poing, uh, Boeing Hong in, in on Elizabeth Street, mm-hmm. which is um, you know like a supermarket in Chinatown. To um, there's a uh, to Wing On Wo, which is a porcelain um, shop, the oldest porcelain or uh, general store in uh, in Chinatown on Mott Street that sells. All sorts of like trinkets, trinkets ceramic, um, things like that. Uh, Multi generational. Um, I love Chinatown, man. Yeah. To um, you know, um, to a uh, seafood uh, wholesaler um, called Aquabest on Grand and Christie 
Yeah, I think there was a Time on New York article on, on it. Yeah, so, you know, we I'm super proud of this book. Um, it's, it's, you know, it came out at a bad time, but I think it really uplifted the spirit um, of Chinatown and the restaurant. Um, and yeah, it, it's, it's, you know, in, in the times of darkness, um, I, I, I think about, you know, the cookbook, the, the ways we hustled this uh, in 2020 to get more business, to, to the pivot to frozen foods. So that's the, that, those are the wins that I'm going to keep talking about. And I'm not going to like dwell on like, oh man, business was down 80%. Oh my God, what are we going to do? I'm going to keep doing stuff like this and figuring out how to bring in revenue um, in, in our current uh, landscape. Do you feel so there's always a way? There, I, I mean, like, yes. Is that I, a I, big lesson? Yes, to take there away is always that, a way. You know, like, never give up is, is, is my motto. Um, and um, I think I, I proved that. Like, we, we just didn't stop. Like, we just kept going at it and making sure we can, you know, like, we were even doing, like, covid catering jobs where like we just basically package all the food in a bag so that everyone gets a bag instead of like you know if you're in an office like you get the catering and like everyone like scoops up their their food and they eat but hey we just did covid packaging like hey everyone's got their own bag of food how long did it take i love the cover of the book how long did it take you to this was a this this was um a whole uh, a year's worth of work um, to get the stories, to get the recipes down, to get the photos, yeah. um, getting the right um, publisher. Um, yeah, that's, a, that's yeah. important. Yeah. Um, Chinatown battling two fronts, and, and I believe, not just COVID and, and uh, lack of uh, foot traffic, but also gentrification. Yeah. How yeah. has that played into, uh, I guess, your business and your environment? Well, you know, I for gentrification, you know, it's inevitable. Uh, change is inevitable. And um, what I can say about that is that I will do my part in slowing it down. So what I mean by that is, you know, I have the oldest restaurant in Chinatown. I'm going to keep it that way for it's as long the as... Title. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to keep it that way as long as I can. Um, but... Hey, at some point it's going to change. Um, you know, I'm not going to be here forever either. Um, but you know, you got to make the best out of it. And, uh, I'm doing my best, um, right now as the, the gatekeeper or like as a person, uh, running the place. Um, but you know, that's things like that. You can't, you can't stop it. You got to like, just roll with it and adapt to it. And I think we did a pretty good job, you know, like as a as a Chinese restaurant, the oldest Chinese restaurant in Chinatown to be able to um, be worldwide, um, meaning, you know, we've had customers from all 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 countries uh, to being this tourist destination to even opening Namwa's in China like that. That that what? is you have a spot yeah, in we China? have we have two locations in China in Shenzhen. And um, think about that. Like we're wow. a American Chinese restaurant serving American Chinese That's dim so sum ironic. back in a country where it was that that it came from. You're serving foreign food in China, and you're serving serving foreign food in America. That's <laughs> yeah. So 
you know, I'm super proud of that. And uh, we will continue to uh, do things like that and uh, evolve. And, and Let, Let's talk about that. Yeah. Let's talk about that food. What is Chinese food, right? Because we come from... Uh, immigrant families so we we so every night for dinner we had what was considered to a lot of uh purists real chinese food Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but what is real chinese food because to the majority of america real chinese food is popularized americanized um, chinese food that you and i also grew up with yep yep. with the store down the block Mm -hmm. or our family's restaurant right so being uh, whether it's from the immigrant background or being identifying as a an uh, uh, Asian American or Chinese American, like what is real? So my answer to you is, it's whatever you want it to be. That's the safe answer. Come on, Wilson, <laughs> not a politician. Well, well, you know, it, it's it's you know, you know, I, I'll use a dirty word, fusion, right? Okay, and um. I, and I don't like using that word, but it it's it's called it's progress. You know, it's it's basically you know we're in we're in America. It's all kinds of ethnicities and you know all all walks of life. So for me, um, you know, what is real Chinese food is it, it can be anything. Like I mean, I can do like beef and broccoli is that real chinese food like but it's real to me like i grew up eating that's that. exactly what i'm saying you know like a lot of people grew up eating that so did i yeah so like to me that's real but like to like a guy that's from guangzhou that you know uh, that works in the city and like that's not real chinese food for him he's like what the hell is like beef and but chicken with broccoli what's a what's an egg roll general, general chicken, chicken yeah. Yeah, so, which I love by the way I yeah, love general I mean, that yeah. stuff is chicken wings with fried rice <laughs> right? all day over here yeah, with, the, so, with the duck sauce you know yeah. like that's not real Chinese food for like Chinese people from China but we're in a world where you know technology it's so technology driven that you know it, it's what you make of it is, is what I think um, honestly like I, I, I'm happy to have, so what, let's name a dish that's real Chinese food. Like, I, I don't know, like. I don't like, know, it's shrimp and, uh, sh- uh, shrimp and mayo sauce with, uh, with uh, pecans. Uh, is, that, is that real Chinese food? I don't know. I think that's. It's, that's served, it's served in the banquet, so I assume it's, <laughs> it's part of that. Well, I don't know if it's, so like we can get very technical, like is mayo part, is, but mayo is. That's is, true. Is more American than yeah. Chinese, right? So that's a, that's a big, like fusion of of sorts Mm. right Mm -hmm. and honestly like you know i i think about you know we were talking about like think how we eat at home and it's constantly it's a mish it's a it's a mashup of of you know like you know my wife is chinese our kids are chinese but like you know we'll we'll make fried rice but like we'll have also like soy sauce chicken from like the the chinese barbecue spot exactly so what's real chinese food to our parents to us, to our kids, I think will defer vastly. Well, here's the thing, man. Like, I think at the end of the day, food is what brings people together. So, you know, we're talking about like, you know, if I eat at my parents' house or something and like my mom's making a steamed fish, you know, like with, with, um, with the sizzling oil. So, so, So that's good, right? But like, 
I can I can bring a I can bring like a big ziti to it also. Like my mom, my my wife makes a banging big ziti. Oh yeah, my wife makes an amazing lasagna. So, shout out to the wives. Yeah, shout out to the yeah. wives. And and I I mean like it at the end of the day, it's coming together to eat and spending time with each other, which is what restaurants are mainly for, right? Like it brings people together. So, so you know, I I you know I. You know, you said earlier, like, that's a safe answer, but it's it's so honest to me, you know, like, what is authentic Chinese food? Like, it's whatever. So you're not a purist. No, no, not far from it. Like, so I can tell you why I'm not a purist um, is because Namwa Tea Parlor, Dim Sum Restaurant, Cantonese style, our number one seller is a soup dumpling. And that's not Cantonese style. That's like Shanghainese, Shanghainese, you know, but like... Hey, you know we got we've we've got um, what's the other thing? Um, uh, uh, shoot, we egg have rolls? not egg rolls. We do have egg rolls, but uh, the other thing is um, the scallion pancake. Oh yeah, okay. that's not can That's not like like purest Cantonese dim sum, right? But people love that, and I'm gonna sell the shit out of it because like, hey, on on a business side. If I can make these things and they sell, I'm going to go with that because you know what? The, the food cost is low. It's, there's no seafood in it. It's just pork or like, you know, in the case of scaling pancakes, it's just flour. The margins are great. Yeah, margins are great. And I'm, I'm going to throw the purest uh, idea out the window. I'm, I'm for, for profit, you know, like, hey, you guys, if, if the American palate wants soup dumplings, yo, I'm going to give you soup dumplings. Like, mm-hmm. call me whatever the hell you want to Give the me. people what they yeah, want. Yeah, give the people it. what they want. <laughs> so, you know, back to the question, the original question, like, you know, what does real Chinese food mean to me? Like, yo, it means like whatever the hell you want it to mean. And why can't you mix Mapo tofu with dim sum and like with with um, with some other you know like tripe or whatever you know like so mm-hmm. we have a mutual friend Leland Leland and, yeah yeah and uh, he started uh, cooking and when he was on the podcast he was telling us how he mixes all sorts of cuisines and it somehow and that's his biggest challenge is to uh, figure out what cuisine from the different nationalities would fit into one meal one sitting yeah that's cool i I mean yeah we've we've talked about that too about and and you know this is mainly from his upbringing like what he was exposed to what he was cooking what he likes to eat what what tastes good to him and because he's cantonese right he's cantonese chinese um he's got those familiar flavors and how do you how do you mix it together yeah so that more um abcs like us can understand right and that's american born american born chinese and and um i see that as a great idea it's it's because like there's a lot of us you know you know i was telling leland same thing like i'll have fried rice or chinese food and i'll whip out the jar of kimchi all day man right kimchi fried rice (laughs) yo last (laughs) night i just had i'll even steam rice i'll throw some kimchi on Mm -hmm. it yeah speaking of kimchi last night i was eating at um i got takeout from um this restaurant called golden diner on madison um you know on the outskirts of chinatown uh that restaurant golden diner is run by a korean american samuel yu uh, who's a chef and they did a collab last night with another friend um 
from uh, the restaurant Saigon Social, which is a Vietnamese vet restaurant uh, from Chef Helen uh, Nguyen. And so last night's mashup, uh, mashup was she had this um, shrimp fish cake uh, and tapioca noodle soup, like mm. noodle soup with kimchi in it. And Yo. that was so bomb. Like, <laughs> like the, you know, you know, like Vietnamese broth, how good, how rich yeah, it is. So mm-hmm. good. Yeah. But that kick of kimchi, mind blowing. And, um, if, you know, it, th- that collab was just last night, uh, like this past, uh, for Friday and Saturday night. I don't know if they're doing it again, but I took, it's, I have a picture of it on my Instagram, uh, for those who are on Instagram. But that was so good, like a Vietnamese bowl of pho, like not pho noodles, but like that broth mm-hmm. with the noodles and the shrimp and the fish cake. And then, bam, just a little bit of like kimchi, like, wow, game changer. Yeah, that's why I'm all for mixing, uh, as long as it fits and mixing the different cultures of food. I, I, and you could just, if you can marry it well, I think it'll get me excited. I think people get excited about trying it. Hey, man, you know. Don't don't take my word for it, but bridging cultures is where it's at for 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 the next and for the for the, the immediate immediate future. The evolution of, yeah. of cuisine. I, I yeah. don't disagree at all. However, I know that there are some there are purists, purists are gonna balk at this idea. They're gonna you know listen to this like, oh, I, I don't hate know these guys. I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. Purists, yeah, I I respect that all day, but mm-hmm. I think they're gonna be outnumbered. I think so. I mean, look at all the food trucks. A lot of the food trucks was a, a big miss. Corilla, mm-hmm. right? They yeah. They had Yumpling. Yumpling yeah. is a big one. Yep. Yeah. So I think Cor- I think that Corilla was Korean and Mexican, right? Korean like the, and Mexican, mm-hmm. and it was the bomb. Mm-hmm. It was like the first time I had something like that. It it was just these new flavors that I was experiencing uh, from these food trucks. Yeah. And this mix yeah. match, and I'm just like, oh my gosh! And they did it well. Yeah. Right. It's, it's a good product. I've had yeah. it before. Yeah. And then, um, you know, you're just like, okay, then it becomes like its own category. You don't look at it like it's Korean slash Mexican or whatever you're tasting. You, it, it becomes so normalized where you go, this is whatever that is. I'm telling you, That's bridging with cultures, Chinese, man. With Chinese yeah. food, yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with you, even though it is a safe answer. Not the answer <laughs> that I expected, though. I thought you would have hit me with the purest stuff because um, considering, you know, you have the oldest standing dim sum restaurant in Chinatown. But, but, you know, the other topic we talked about is about adapting, right? And um, Mm -hmm. if you don't adapt, you're going to get left behind. And, you know, I think as an entrepreneur and like a restaurateur, you have to see what the people want. You know, you know, I was, you know, throughout the whole podcast, I'm telling you like, yo, man, I don't, I don't think this will work. It's too expensive, but I'm listening. And, you know, my team is telling me, yo, we should go this direction. I'm like, yo, let's try if it doesn't work, all good. But if it works, wow. Another another avenue for, for making money, staying relevant. Um, you know, even even like, you know, we're 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 just doing things that um will get people exciting. You know why? Because there's just so much noise out there. You almost need to do something new to like get yourself at the top again. Mm. Because, you know, we talked about this earlier. How many restaurants are there in New York? So many thousands and thousands. And how do you set yourself apart if you're not constantly innovating, creating something new, um, mix matching these like different like cuisines together? 
that's the only way to really survive when there's so much noise. A common theme that, you know, throughout this podcast is that you listen, you listen to your team. Now, a lot of people in a position of power would feel like they don't want to share their power totally. So when someone else in their team has an idea, they want to quickly dismiss it because they feel like, oh, I, uh, if I listen to you and go with your idea and it works, it in a way usurps me and takes away my power or my appearance of it. And I know a lot of people play that power game. I see it all the time in the corporate world. Mm-hmm. Who? How did you have that awareness to go, you know what? It's not about that. It's about something else much larger than, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm going to share my power. I want to hear your ideas. And you know what? If it's good, I'm going to implement it. How, was it a role model that you saw that worked? Or did, or did you see someone do it in that sense where it didn't work, where there was a fantastic idea and they passed up on you and you're going, whoa, I'm not going to be that guy? It's actually, the answer is very simple. Um, it's to have no ego. I don't have an ego. Like I am, but was there someone you looked up to that didn't have an ego that gave um, you somehow you had to learn that somewhere? That's a skill. It's not like breathing, whereas you just you're born breathing, or you you know it's a it's something that you learn. Yeah, I so um, it's it would definitely be just empowering people. Um, My ability to um, you know find these people because that's the key. to a successful business is to building a, a great team. And I think for me, um, my vetting process of right, finding the right team members um, is, is, where, is where it starts. It's like finding the key people. And then how do you keep them? How do you make them happy? And I think I've kind of figured that asking out. Asking the right questions. Yeah, asking the right questions. Yeah. And empowering the people and almost being okay with the mistakes. Um, wait, let me rephrase that. Actually being okay when mistakes are made. You know what? We can, we've made tons of mistakes. We ordered the wrong stuff. You know, we, you know, a million things. But like, I'm not going to yell and scream like, oh man, like what the hell? Like how, 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 how can you do that? But what if it becomes chronic? Two, three, four, five. So if it's chronic, then, hey, this is not this is a mutual me. good relationship. And, and one of us needs to go. Yeah. And um, I think that's mainly it, man. Like, I, I really, you know. So the thinking, first ones are free. First yeah. One's free. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, first one's free. Get a, um, a jail-free card. Yeah, and I, I, think, I think it's just um, also another big thing is like not micromanaging. Like I don't yeah. micromanage at all. Um, I am just very soft touch. But like, hey, if I mean something, like make sure it's done. Yeah. Or like, hey, I don't want to be in that conversation. Don't take me lightly, where, yeah, don't. I don't yeah. want to be in that conversation where like we're in here in this office. Like, yeah. Hey, man, like. Like, what the fuck? Like, yeah, like what? don't take kindness for weakness type of uh, yeah. attitude towards running your your your, your right. business. Right, but I, I think um, I'm very giving in 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 most senses. Uh, in yeah, like ninety eight percent of the time, I'm like, yes. Um, and that's tough in a restaurant business, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Most of the the I guess the environment in restaurants, from what I hear, because I used to work with a lot of people that either worked in restaurants or owned it it was extremely toxic yeah it's it's most of them are 
um, because it's it's basically a very low margin business. You know, it's it's you're not making much money um, opening a restaurant. Like it takes a lot to to really like make it mm-hmm. make it make it. No, what do you look for when you're interviewing someone? So you know, I've been um, very lucky to have to build a, a core team that actually came to me. Um, I never really had to like. So word in- of mouth. Um, it's like, hey, Wilson, yes. I know a guy, Norm. He'll be great. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna connect you with him. Or or Norm heard about me, and it's like, hey, man, like I think you're the type of guy I want to work for. And honestly, like that's I. So that's another thing. Like I say, with luck, um, I think about this fast casual location, and this is like just real talk. Um. Our first chef that, well, even like my business partner in this store, uh, Z, we've known each other for 20 years and he was in corporate and, you know, he's like, hey, Wilson, like you're like, you know, what you built is like pretty awesome. Like, hey, like one day I, I you know, like we should talk. I'm like, hey, anytime. And uh, we opened this in 2016. This and location he, here. Yeah. And he was like in, like he was in um, technology. But him and I just were kids when we knew each other. And um, I trust him. And, like, he's got, like, this killer work ethic. And it's very similar to mine. Like, so it's yes right away. But he has no culinary. Neither do I. I don't have any culinary background. Lo and behold, like, through Instagram, um, I meet a young chef. Uh, His name is Calvin and he has moved on to work at Winsun. Uh, he's like the chef de cuisine at Winsun restaurant. It's the, a Taiwanese eatery in, in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. And he's going to be moving on from there to open his own restaurant soon. But we met and he was able to take our fast casual concept and really hone it in as far as uh, people development, setting up these uh, procedures, uh, opening, closing, food stuff. And I matched those guys together, and it was, you know, it was a hit. Like it made it, it worked. The chemistry was yeah, there. Chemistry was there. And then when he moved on, um, our second manager, in a, like almost managing chef role, uh, Julie, she knew me uh, because her her best friend was cousins with my friend. And she knew about the brand and she came to, she sought me out and I'm like, oh, well, we don't have a position for you right now. And um, I'm like, I'll call you or like, we'll figure something out. And then somehow I scooped her and now she, she essentially runs the show here. She runs this place. Like she's the one that does all the Zoom classes for, um, for like the online stuff she's the one that sets up all my demos like all the catering jobs and make it make it nice and um almost eight years ago barbara was a big fan of the brand and barbara has a a nine to five um in sales and uh she came on like wanting to just do our social media stuff like all right here here's a here's some money like a couple hundred bucks a month I post our Instagram and then her role grew into almost like our, she's like our um, marketing uh, CMO. Like she runs all the Damn, marketing. Look at that. Like 
like all the operations she sets up like all, everyone's shooting their shot yeah like you know we have this thing called asana mm-hmm. which is basically like everyone's on this platform where you know what's going on like she set all that up set, like just solid like people and uh, also in 2017 like my cousin joined uh the company and slowly but surely he grew to like managing the tea parlor so i've just been like lucky in some senses to like be able to curate this fine young uh team and it's off to the races you know Mm -hmm. like what do we want to do next you know and like through this pandemic we we really crushed the um the frozen stuff and I think we're going to move more into that. Like, you know, um, I think Norm was saying about supermarkets earlier. I'm like, hey, that's a big goal of mine one day to figure mm-hmm. out. And if I can talk to the right people and like do like maybe get into the VC world and hey, get some money mm-hmm. and like build out a thing. And and that's what I'm focused on like that's going forward. What you don't hear is creative ways that people are taking to uh, succeed in this environment where it doesn't look like there's any way. But you found a way. But I think that's just incredible. Yeah, and you contribute that to such being a good listener and, and having such a strong team. And yeah, you're damn lucky, man. Yes. <laughs> How do you have so many hardworking, talented individuals that just kind of fall in your lap? Yeah, well, it's also uh, about cultivating right? that talent, right? So like when I when I listen to you, it's like you have to listen to your people, right? 100%. And also the fact that you are a mentor to some people. Does 100%. that experience come into the play when you um, meet uh, you know, candidates? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, I am very, you know, my wife hates this, but like I, I'm very giving of my time. Like, you know, even like with you know this podcast i'm like yes yeah let's figure out a date let's figure it yeah time, i know? saw that um right right away we were talking about and we're like oh shit he's following us on instagram mm. and then we're like all right cool yeah if like yeah we'd love to have him on norm and i talked and norm's like yeah i'll reach out to him i was like cool let's, let's yeah. do it i i love it i love promoting asian american culture i i love you same know, here I love um, I love what's going on in Chinatown right now. All the resiliency, and you know, not just with myself. You know, it's not about me. Uh, I'm I'm you know I'm doing okay, um, but it's about all the you know we you know we 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 the whole podcast. We're back and forth about the youth, right? But you know, I want to end this with uh, by saying like there is a lot of potential for the future. You know, like we've gone through a lot in 2020 from you know. Um, from like BLM stuff to like, you know, pres like, like president stuff. Like we've gone through a lot, and um, you know, I, I I think we will keep pushing. You know, as Asian Americans, um, to get our voices heard. You know, and like I I love what the the folks are doing in Chinatown with um, you know all the grassroots approaches um, with with um, Welcome to Chinatown and and Send Chinatown Love. Like they are crushing it you know they really are this is this is these are big deals that that are going going on in in our community and i just love being able to know these people and i feel proud to be part of that community where everyone is fighting um to for their survival last thing before we let you go um you're in a corporate world and you used to work in what the formerly the former Twin Towers? Yes, in the World yeah. Trade WTC. Yeah, well, 
And you were actually there on September 11th? Yes. Uh, yeah, 9-11 survivor. Um, yeah, that was a very um, a memorable day uh, and, and really um, something that made me think about my career uh, and how I can't be in that environment. I'm more of a social and social, social being, wanting to help, wanting to be part of the mix and not back office style. But um, that was a really uh, good awakening for me. Um, you know, I almost died that day. So were you there in the first tower? I was in the second tower. Oh, shoot. Yeah. So wait, so when did they start telling you to exit Evacuate. the second tower? Was it after the first plane hit? Yes. Yeah. After the first plane, did hit, you hear like a loud boom? I heard, um, it, you know, it's funny. Um, I remember thinking, like, where I was sitting, I can see, like, my boss's office, the window. And I remember seeing, like, paper, like, fly all over. And I and the first thing I right thought about... Right outside the window. Yeah, outside the window. It was, like, just, like... Looking like big confetti. Like, confe- like what I right. thought, my first thing that I thought was, like... Um, when the Yankees won the World mm. Series, and we're in the heroes of the, the Can- Can- hero of cannon, um, and all the ticker tape parade, and like how upset I was because I'm a Mets fan. So am I. Yeah, oh, we're the rare breeds. Yeah, yeah, I'm a Mets fan, and I'm like, oh my god, the Yankees are fucking Yankees, and yeah, like the World <laughs> again, <Series> again, <laughs> and that's my first thought, and that's when the first plane hit, and I saw all this like debris and flying stuff. Mm. And very shortly after, it was like, hey, we got to evacuate. There's a fire or something. And then, like, you know, I was on the 74th So it was really floor. casual. Yeah, super casual. Seemed like a regular um, fire drill. Yeah, normal fire drill. I'm like, oh, cool. Like, uh, we got to go. Fi-. It's, like, it's like a fire drill. I'm like, okay, I can go go down to that. I'm like, all right, cool. What floor were you on? I was on 74. Holy shit. Yeah. So 74 um, was a, uh, you take an express to 44. Uh-huh. Oh, sorry. Seventy-four. You take a uh, you take local to forty-four. Forty-four is there's express. So forty-four is like forty-four a, is express down. A, you can get an express from forty-four down to the first floor. That's so, a bad luck number for Asian culture. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about it. Hmm. Um, but I was able to get to forty-four. Uh, How rel- just regular regular elevator? elevator down to forty-four, and then from forty-four we had to walk. You had to go thirty stories down to wow. forty-four. Yeah. I how, took a, how, how did you manage to get there? There was no, everybody was super casual. Super calm, super wow. casual, um, fire drill. No one was like, I'm playing before, like, so get the as, hell out. I don't know if anyone I, had communication at that time, right? Right. Yeah. There's no social media. Right There's no next, Twitter. <laughs> oh, shit. That's right. But um, yeah. what I remember was um, very casual. I was eating breakfast at my desk, and I saw this thing. The fire alarm went off. Oh, um, uh, fire drill. And then as you start going down, you're, you hit, like, the, the noise was like, oh, like a small plane hit, uh, no big deal, um, but we got to evacuate. And then, um, you know, from 44, we took, I took the stairs, and then that's when it got a little more se- – the, the further down you go, the more serious the guy. And then, like, I saw firefighters start going up the stairs. I'm like, oh, that's so weird. But um, at some at, in the teens – um, they were saying, okay, it's safe now, Tower 2. You can you can go about your business. Like go back to your office? Yeah, yeah you can go back to your office. What? But by that point, I'm like, I'm at six, like I'm in the teens. If I got out to like to use the elevator, I would be like local, like to go all back up. Back so I'm going to go yeah. all the way down first before I go back up. Mm-hmm. And then 
at that point, I was like, with, with a, with a with co-worker, he's like, oh, I'm going to have a cigarette downstairs. I'm like, all right, cool, I'll join yeah. you. And I'm like, all right, let's go down all the way first. And when I went all the way down, I'm like, yo, that don't look good, man. Like, And then that's when, like, the further, the more time that passed, like, all right, everyone evacuated. And that's when I walked to Chinatown to, to like, let my dad know I was okay because, like, we didn't have, like, I think I had a cell phone, but, like, so it you, wasn't working. So you left the whole scene after the first plane crash. Yeah, you didn't even uh, wait for the second nah, before you were, like. Yeah, but when the second hit, I was already gone. Like, I was, like, walking towards Chinatown already. You were, so were you thinking, like, oh, what if my boss gets mad at me for not being back in the office? I was thinking that, but like I, w- I was definitely thinking that, but like it was almost like oh, like you know, I, oh, I did your Chinatown today, instincts, your spidey sense was like yeah, hell no, yeah, this is crazy. Back up, and um, I think they would understand, like like something bad happened, and like I think I think at that point I was like young naive kid, like there was not like you didn't have like a cell phone with like text, me- like you can't do any of that stuff yet, you know. So my first instinct was just to walk to Chinatown because like my cell phone wasn't working mm-hmm. and I couldn't yeah, call really anyone. Remember. And I remember seeing this big gaping hole in the in the in the um, first in the first tower. And I, you know, was there just, anyone panicking? Not when like no, people were just walking away. People? What? Yeah, people were walking away. Maybe like I had like tunnel vision or something. People or, were I'm, freaking out in the first tower, like. Maybe I I just yeah. I think I have like very selective memory from it. I just remember like I I was just very zo- in the zone. Like okay, I remember what I did, what I wore, um, what shoes I was wearing. I'm like oh shoot, I forgot my bag upstairs. Like I, you know, I just left. Like my breakfast was still on my table. Oh my god! And that, those are the things I was thinking about because like I didn't think big picture. I'm just like oh shoot, like oh well, it's okay. Like I guess like we'll get a couple hours off. Like you know, I was like a new kid. Uh, working right. at a at a at a at a firm, so like, if I can like weasel a couple of hours, I'm like, all right. Well, yeah. what did you yeah. did your coworkers go back to the office? Well, it was still early. Like it was it was like before. So you guys nine. all kind of played hooky. Well, yeah, okay, we got yeah. a great reason. Yeah, and got a cigarette break. Yes. Why not? Let's cigarette just let's break. just uh, let's just keep booking it to Chinatown. Yeah, and that was pretty much it. And uh, as you got got down and you're walking like on Church Street, like then it start like while you're walking it like things like your senses like oh all the ambulances and like people rushing toward the building and like when you see all that stuff like rushing to it like you're my my instincts was all right i'm out like there's too much commotion going on here i'm gonna go away and watch from afar yeah and i think this is like back to like our culture right like oh don't do that no leave right away or (laughs) hey don't if if you see danger, don't run towards it. Run away run from away. it. You know, and like I think I should listen to my parents. <laughs> I always some some sometimes. Right? I always sometimes, I always yeah. go yeah sometimes, but in that sense, I did the opposite. I always go towards the danger. Yeah, so I I listen, yeah. and I'm like, all right, well, yeah. you know, that doesn't look cool. Like, let me just let me walk a little further, and yeah. then but at that point, you know, then like, you know, you don't get the immediate. Like, I'm thinking about like how technology like changes, right? Like, you didn't get all that your phone didn't blow up like all this stuff is happening mm-hmm. so like as you walk you hear more and like oh i heard it was a uh, like a cessna plane like the the, the, the small ones the, the small the ones private planes, yeah. and then like oh no it wasn't it was like a bigger plane but i remember looking that far up like the hole was really small oh was it yeah the hole was super small and i'm like oh that's all right i guess some people died it's like all right it's tragic but it's not the end of the world mm-hmm. 
but like the further away I walked, I'm like, holy crap, it's not like that's when like like every TV is like CNN, mm-hmm. and then you see like the plane go into the building, and, and then you realize like, oh wow, that was that was like a terrorist attack, and mm-hmm. then like the second plane, and like holy cow, I was thank God I was like out of I I left I booked. Do you know people that's been? Uh... Um, no, I, luckily, like my my floor was was good. Like everyone, everyone yeah, everyone out safely? was was safe. But like company wise, um, like there was definitely like a couple of deaths, but not in my area. And like I was just too young to um, to understand it all. Like it's just I was I was a kid. Yeah. I was like what twenty two, I think. That's crazy. Yeah, twenty twenty two, twenty three, and I just wanted to like hang out and like not. Hmm. Or if I didn't, if I'm getting paid and not have to work, like awesome. Yeah, yeah. You know, I still remember like when we moved to like uh, our offices in Harborside, like we were able to like um, claim like what we lost. Like I'm like, oh man, I had this coach bag. I had like these um, Dr. Martin shoes, and I, I was making sure like I I line itemed all mm-hmm. the stuff that I left in the office and make sure I got my money back. But yeah, that was that sandwich. Yeah, like that's the, that w- that was where my mind was at at, at you know as a 22, 23 year old, and yeah. it wasn't so much like yeah, it like, wasn't looking at the yeah full scale of the so uh, the so when you were walking away. The plane didn't. Uh, the building didn't fall yet. No, no, no. It didn't fall to yeah. like like. I mean, bro, if the building fell. It would have been. No, so I mean, like you, you could be, you could be like, out. yeah, walking, and then and then started falling. You, you could feel the. Yeah, yeah, no, I, was, I was. I was. You were out gone. Already. You were gone. Yeah, because yeah, he would have talked about the ashes covering. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, that's people. Like, people in Chinatown felt the rumble, the 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 crash. Yeah, I so. was I was gone already. Um, okay. I was like, like at my dad's like office by then already, and um, this is like. Like past nine o'clock, or was mm-hmm. already in yeah. Chinatown mm-hmm. already. So, anyway, Wilson, you got the book, Namwa book, cookbook. You got the virtual cooking lessons on how to make um, and prepare Chinese food, dim sum. Yeah, you uh, got a lot going on. All your restaurants take. I mean, we wish you luck with everything. And thank you, uh, thank you. Very inspiring, and I learned a lot during this podcast about the restaurant business. Mm. But not only that, how parallel it is to just the human psyche yeah. in terms of working hard. So it's the important. same formula. So important. Wilson, thank you for coming on and sharing. Thanks. Thank you. Thank Thanks you. for having me. This is Lucky Boys. We out. Thanks for listening and supporting the podcast. Check us out on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts for the rest of our episodes.